0: Welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton, and today I have another spooky historical tale about a prison located in, you guessed it, West Virginia. Really quickly, though, I wanted to say thank you to you. You all have been sharing the podcast like crazy, and it's been so amazing. So thank you so much. Continue to rate and review wherever you listen and share with your friends. I really appreciate it. All right, let's get into the episode. In 1863, at the height of the American Civil War, West Virginia seceded from Virginia to side with the Union in the North. So because the state was newly formed, they were in need of public institutions, including prisons. Between 1863 and 1866, Governor Arthur Borman lobbied the virginia west virginia legislature for a state penitentiary but was repeatedly denied at first they directed him to send the prisoners to other institutions out of state and then they directed him to use existing county jails which turned out to be inadequate to the needs of the state many of the criminals were jailed in a small structure in nearby wheeling but it quickly became overcrowded and in 1865 Nine inmates escaped. So after that happened, the state legislature was finally like, okay, (laughs) I guess we should probably do something about this. So in February 1866, they approved the purchase of land in Moundsville to build a state prison. Ten acres of land were purchased just outside of the then city limits of Moundsville for $3,000. Located on the banks of the Ohio River, the town of Moundsville derives its name from the many Adena Indian burial mounds located here. It's not far from Wheeling, which was the capital at the time, so it was a good location for the prison. As a temporary fix, the state built a wooden prison to house the prisoners in while they assessed the design plans for the new penitentiary. They had chosen a modified version of the design of Northern Illinois Penitentiary at Gillette Its Gothic revival architecture, quote, exhibited as much as possible great strength and conveyed to the mind a cheerless blank indicative of the misery which awaits the unhappy being who enters within its walls, end quote. It's like a little on the nose there, but the building would be constructed of stone, complete with turrets, battlements, and lancet windows, giving it the appearance of a fortress. The first building that was constructed using the help of inmate labor was the North Wagon Gate, which was made with hand-cut sandstone quarried from the local site. Work on the first phase of the prison continued until 1876, when it was completed at a total cost of $363,000. The North and South cell block areas both measure 300 by 52 feet, The north wing was initially used as a kitchen, a dining room, and a chapel before additional cells were added in the 1890s. In between the cell blocks is the four-story administration building that included space for female inmates on the third floor and personal living quarters for the warden and his family on the fourth floor. The second floor served as a hospital The stone walls are five feet thick at the base, and they taper to two and a half feet at the top. The facility officially opened in 1876, at which time it housed 251 inmates, some of who had helped to build the prison. Afterward, more facilities, workshops, and outbuildings were constructed, including a wash house, a bakery, and a hospital inside the North Recreation Yard. As time went on, improvements were made to the prison. Steam heat was added in the 1870s, and coal lamps were replaced by electricity in 1900. An elevator and a porch were installed on the administrative building. In the early 1900s, the prison featured a carpentry shop, a paint shop, a wagon shop, a stone yard, a brickyard, a blacksmith, a tailor, a hospital, and a bakery. At the time, revenue from the prison farm and inmate labor helped um, fund the prison, actually. By the 1920s, the female inmates were moved from the administration building to a separate two-story building located in the northeast corner of the North Recreation Yard. This building had its own dining room and kitchen in addition to cells. A high wall enclosed the section from the main part of the prison, And during this time, approximately 50 women were employed in part of the shirt shop, making collars and cuffs for the shirts that were made by the male prisoners. The other women were employed in domestic work within the prison. The prison housed around 80 female prisoners until 1947, when a new facility was opened in Pent Springs, West Virginia, and the women were transferred there. A prison coal mine located a mile away opened in 1921, and this was a pretty good thing for the prison. It filled lots of needs for the prison. It filled the prison's energy needs, and it saved the state an estimated $14,000 a year. So at that time, that was a lot of money. Some inmates were allowed to stay at the mine's camp under the supervision of a mine foreman. During this time, prison conditions were pretty good with the warden's report stating, quote, both the quantity and the quality of all the purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very gradually but steadily improved, while the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labor less stringent, end quote. Education was also a priority for the inmates, and a school and library were built in 1900. The library had over 5,000 books, and at one time, Prisoners who couldn't read were required to attend night school, and other educational classes and enrichment programs were also available for all inmates. By 1929, overcrowding had become such a problem that expanding the prison was a top priority. Three men were assigned to a 5 by 7 foot cell before this time, with two prisoners sleeping on the bunks and a third sleeping on a mattress on the floor. The inmates would again be utilized in the construction, which was completed in 1959. As time went on, the conditions of the prison did not get better. They continued to get worse. And the facility would be ranked on the U.S. Department of Justice's top 10 most violent correctional facilities list during its 119 year history. In total, 36 homicides took place in the prison. Like many prisons, West Virginia Penitentiary had its own social hierarchy among the inmates, and they did not take lightly to snitches. And this was evident on one night in October of 1929, inmate number 44670, better known as R.D. Wall, was headed down to the part of the prison where the boilers were kept when he was jumped by three other inmates. The men stabbed R.D. Wall to death with dull shivs. In 1983, convicted multiple murderer Charles Manson requested to be transferred to this prison to be nearer to his family. While his request was denied, the handwritten letter can be seen on display while touring the prison. Between 1899 and 1949, 85 men were hung from the gallows at the penitentiary. The public could attend hangings, which were public until June 19th of 1931. On that date, Frank Heyer was executed for murdering his wife. When the trap door beneath him was opened and his full weight settled into the noose, he was instantly decapitated. So following this event, attendance at hangings was by invitation only apparently, which sounds strange. Like, (laughs) come one, come all. The last man executed by hanging, Bud Peterson, from Logan County, was buried in the prison cemetery because his family refused to claim his body. In 1951, an inmate named Paul Glenn was asked to build an electric chair to carry out future executions because the hangings were not going well, obviously so the chair dubbed old sparky is still on display at the prison nine more prisoners were executed by the electric chair before the state of west virginia finally outlawed capital punishment in 1965. on november 7th of 1979 there was a large prison break when 15 inmates escaped During the escape, inmate Ronald T. Williams stole a prison guard service weapon, and when he encountered 23-year-old off-duty West Virginia State Trooper Philip S. Kesner, he shot and killed him. Over the next 18 months, Williams remained at large, committing crimes across the nation and killing a man in Arizona during a robbery. After making the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list, he was involved in a shootout with federal agents at the George Washington Hotel in New York City in 1981. He was apprehended and returned to West Virginia to complete several life sentences, which he was sentenced to, and he remains in custody there today. By 1986, the prison was not in a great place. It had its problems, okay? So there was plumbing issues. There were bug infestations and overcrowding was again a big problem. The prison had a population of more than 2,000 men at that time and security was so loose that some people described the facility as a quote cons prison where most of the locks on the cells had been picked and inmates roamed the halls freely. Now on January 1st, 1986... It was a holiday. The prison was short-staffed because of that, and inmates in the prison rioted. Around 5.30 p.m., 20 prisoners, who belonged to a group called the Avengers, stormed the mess hall and attacked Captain Glassic, five other officers, and a food service worker. All of them were slammed to the floor and handcuffed with the guards' handcuffs. More hostages were taken throughout the two-day upheaval. During the riot, three inmates were killed. Negotiations with Governor Arch Moore Jr. resulted in a new list of rules and standards on which the prison would operate. None of the hostages that were taken were seriously injured. That same year, the West Virginia Supreme Court ruled that confinement to the 5 by 7 foot cells constituted cruel and unusual punishment. Over the next decade, the population of the prison was reduced due to the building of more prisons. By 1995, the facility held only 600 to 700 inmates when the decision was made to close the facility. Most of the inmates were transferred to the Mount Olive Correctional Complex in Fayette County, West Virginia. A smaller correctional facility was built a mile away in Moundsville to serve as a regional jail. After the prison closed its doors as a state institution, the Moundsville Economic Development Council obtained a 25 year lease on the complex. The facility is used for training law enforcement and corrections practitioners with regular mock riot drills. It's also open for tours and, you guessed it, paranormal investigations. So let's talk about the spooky stuff the ghosts. The haunted corners of the prison. See what I did there? (laughs) It's not exactly hard to believe that this place is haunted, not only because of the dark history of the prison, but also because of its location. It was built directly across from the Grave Creek Mound, one of the largest conical type burial mounds in the United States members of the Adena culture moved more than 60,000 tons of dirt to create it in about 250 to 150 B.C. Some believe that the energy from the spirits of the Native Americans could possibly be transferred into the prison. Inside the prison, there have been many reports of paranormal activity. Visitors and staff report seeing glimpses of apparitions, smelling strange odors, weird noises, Echoes of and feelings of being watched, as well as strange disembodied voices. Visitors have been touched, tapped, even pushed by invisible hands, and cameras have captured strange ghostly mists, figures, and orbs. Some people have even seen the ghosts of prisoners in uniforms walking around the halls and disappearing without any explanation. One particular spooky location is what is known as the Sugar Shack. This was a room that was located in the basement. It was created for the purpose of recreation for the inmates when outside weather conditions would not permit them to go outside. But that's not what it was used for. It was once infamous for illegal gambling, drug deals, rapes, fighting, and even murders. Today, many investigations lead to paranormal discus- discoveries in this area. Sometimes witnesses can hear people arguing and talking, while other times only whispers can be heard. Many strange noises and cold spots can also be felt in this area. Some of the paranormal hotspots include death row, the psych ward, the chapel, the showers. boiler room and the dining room in the solitary confinement area people have often reported feeling cold spots as they walk through and feeling as though they've been touched with no explanation there is one specific spirit that is called the shadow man because he doesn't have any visible features and he lurks in the shadows He's been described as appearing like a dark shadow that's very intimidating and very scary. (laughs) A specific haunting involves the victim of a botched hanging at the prison. The man's name was Orville Adkins. He was up on the scaffold, but the trap door opened prematurely, and he fell down through the hole, landing on his head. He was injured, but still alive. He was then pulled back up to the scaffold and, once again, hanged. His footsteps are said to be heard slowly pacing back and forth in the area. The north hall was where the prison's worst offenders were placed, not for the crimes they committed outside, but for their violent behaviors inside the prison. They were locked down for in their cells for 23 hours a day, but this didn't stop the crimes from happening, two murders actually occurred in this area, and many visitors now experience feelings of being watched, cold spots, and an overall uncomfortable feeling. Over 119 years of dark energy inside one building. It's no wonder that there have been so many reports of paranormal incidents. Have you experienced anything at the West Virginia Penitentiary? If so, I would love to hear about it. And share your story on the podcast. So let me know. And that is the history of the West Virginia Penitentiary. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. This is where I will have pictures of the prison as well. All the sources that I used. Plus a lot more so I'll link to the blog post in the show notes so you can head over there and check it out. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head on over to Patreon. This is where you have access to all the Patreon-exclusive content. You get the regular episodes early before anybody else. You'll get a exclusive haunted corner sticker if you support at the five dollar per month level and you'll get episodes that no one else has access to so head over to patreon.com forward slash the haunted corner to join now follow us on social media at the haunted corner on instagram facebook youtube and tiktok if you're enjoying the podcast please be sure to tell a friend if you have a case suggestion or a correction to share or a spooky or you know, true crime tale, anything you want to share with me, please send it to the haunted corner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon. Bye.